You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, and welcome to another fabulous episode of Dear Multi-Hyphenate. I'm your host, Michael Kushner, and my hyphens are actor, photographer, producer, writer, and podcaster. I hope everyone's enjoying a fabulous summer, and I'm still recovering from performing my solo show at 54 Below the other night. It was just so incredible to be on stage, live, in front of an audience. As always, thank you so much to Broadway Podcast Network for giving me the space to talk about multi-hyphenating and allowing me to bring stories of artists forward. Thank you to Alan, Dory, Britt, Katie, Yo. You are such an incredible team. Thank you. So let's start the episode, shall we? I am so excited to introduce you to Carly Craig. Carly Craig is an actress, singer, and South Florida native who is most known for her work on the CW's reboot of the iconic sketch show Mad TV. Carly moved to Los Angeles 10 days after graduating from Florida State University with her Bachelor of Arts in Theater and Media Production. She then began her work as assistant to Broadway star and YouTube sensation Totter Call, which led to touring with him internationally as a singer and actress, starring in his hit MTV docuseries Todrick, and serving as a vocalist on his groundbreaking visual album Straight Outta Oz. Carly gained online recognition with her video Celebrity Impressions, which has been viewed over 8 million times across multiple platforms. She then appeared on USA's comedy competition show First Impressions with Dana Carvey, where she wowed the SNL alum with her spot-on impressions of Ariana Grande, Kristen Chenoweth, and Emma Stone. Carly has performed her all-original one-woman musicals Have Several Seats and Me, the Musical, in cabaret venues across Los Angeles and New York City, and cannot wait to bring her shows back to audiences again once we are all fully vaccinated. You can currently catch Carly starring in Kevin Hart's LOL Network comedy series, The Donors, streaming now on lolnetwork.com. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and as always, follow Dear Multi-Hyphenate on Instagram, and please rate, subscribe, comment, and all that stuff. You know what to do. Enjoy. So as always, I'd love to start an episode of Dear Multi-Hyphenate with a quote, and I try to find a quote that is as special as... uh, personal as possible. And I think this one's pretty great. So nothing, such a useful word, isn't it? It can mean anything and everything. And that is said none other by the connector between my guest and I, Mary Poppins. 
Carly Craig, how are you? Hello, I'm so excited to be here, Michael Kushner. I know. Isn't that quote beautiful? It is. I like it a lot. I mean, I you know, I, I was a little hesitant when I saw nothing because you really are something. And um, but I think like that is that's the start of like a multi-hyphenate experience, is like we have nothing. And like we just go, all right, there's so much possibility in this in this experience. And we could take just an idea and go, all right, let's let's work it. It started with nothing and now we're here. So I think that quote actually beautifully reflects who we both are and mm -hmm. other artists are as multi-hyphenates. How's your day going? My day is going good. I started the day off with a personal training session and I'm, I've been like getting, you know, back into my health and my fitness and um, it's been, it's been great. So I did that this morning and uh, got ready super fast so I could be here with you today. Amazing. Uh, have you been able to like stay healthy during this time and like yeah, I mean, we'll get into it, but um, I've actually been in Florida. You know, I live in LA, but um, I've spent the past couple months in Florida. So I'm kind of in a training camp, if you will. I've sort of like, you know, my dad's a tennis coach, so I've been playing with him. And, you know, I'm just watching what I've been eating and soaking up the sunshine, working with this trainer. So yeah, I think I've been, um, I've been trying to stay on top of it because definitely with my, um, you know, Carly cocktails, which is my side hobby, <laughs> I was definitely uh, drinking a lot of sugar, a lot of uh, cocktailing was happening. So I'm, I'm cracking the whip on myself, if you will. I really miss alcohol. I've stopped, <laughs> I, I, I stopped drinking because it's one of the things that I've noticed for, that's in, inflaming my COVID long hauler symptoms. So since oh, I stopped, yeah. since I stopped drinking, I've I've actually been feeling much better. But I am craving, craving whiskey and An old fashioned. Yeah, I think I'm gonna ha crack open a drink maybe again soon. I tried, and as soon as like the next morning, I am back to where I was with my long hauler stuff. Like wow, insane body pain, exhaustion. Um, you know, just all the stuff. And it's like, well, this might be a thing. Well, I'm glad you've been feeling better. Yeah. So, uh, so we let's, so let's talk about our origin story. We There's met, so much to cover. I know. So <laughs> we met in the year 2000 doing Mary Poppins yes. and this ticket, the, the ticket to Mary Poppins sits by my bed and I kiss it every morning and Aww. every night because it was the start to who I am and my relationships and, and my life. So uh, you were at the Carl Springs Center for the Performing Arts, um, I think a year or two before that. And yeah, I started there in 99. So you were there a year before. How mm -hmm. has this training program, how did the Coral Springs Center for the Arts in Coral Springs, Florida. Cynthia O'Brien, we love you. Giesbert. How Giesbert, we love you. How did that sort of open up young Carly Craig into the possibilities of who she is now? So talking to my other friends who are in the industry or are actors or performers, you know, they think that where I grew up performing is absolutely ridiculous, which it really was. Like we, to give context, the Coral Springs Center for the Arts is sort of this um, epicenter of where, you know, touring companies come through and they'll, you know, like we had like Gallagher come through or like there's all these, you know, cover bands or um, what do you call them? Like the, the tribute bands mm -hmm. will come through. So it's like this performing arts center, not like the Lion King doesn't come through there, but it's like maybe a step below that, like size wise. Yeah. And that was where we were 
able to perform as children, which is so insane. Like to think that we had that facility, I feel so lucky that I had, you know, a a program like that, number one, and a facility like that to really nurture my creativity and my talent and a place to, to channel all that imagination. Harvey Corman was there and I snuck backstage because we knew every exit and entrance of that building. Totally. So I knew how to get into his dressing room without <laughs> and, without anyone seeing With me. With no security. <laughs> With no security or even yes security, but they knew me. The ushers. The they, ushers loved us. They knew us because they had just seen us in shows. So I sat in his dressing room as and waited for him to come in. Um, after a performance of his and I was like, I'm a huge fan of yours. I know every single, you know, line of yours in Blazing Saddles. And he just sat me down and we talked and he signed my shirt and it was just, it was amazing. And so, yes, this whole space was the rehearsal rooms and there was, there were art galleries and it was just this hub of creativity. So we were exposed to so many different facets of artistry. Yep. You know, you know, a hundred percent. And I feel like so lucky looking back on that time and to know that even my aftercare, because my elementary school was across the street. Right. So when I was in fourth grade, when that elementary school actually opened, that was around the time that the program moved to the Center for the Arts. And I would literally go to school and then walk across the street with Mr. Giesbert or Miss Cynthia. Mm -hmm. And I would, I would be there until like 7 p.m. every day. And then on the weekends, I was doing troop or I was doing chorus or anything like that. So uh, yeah, it's it's really special to also be back here. And I, I'm actually taking voice lessons again with Mr. Giesbert since I've been home, which it's been so cool to reconnect with him years later because I took voice lessons with him. He's the only real true vocal coach I've had. Like I've no coach has touched my voice since I worked with him when I was, you know, from eight to 11 years old. And now I'm revisiting all of this and it's like we just speak completely the same language and it's just it's been so lovely to reconnect and start working again like that you were the i remember you were the pinnacle of what a good student was because i remember when you were like sally <laughs> brown sally brown or someone i remember you standing on stage you had your hand on your diaphragm and you were so connected to your body you were literally like just like you were feeling that breath you were like ready to go <laughs> Well, and it's so funny that you say that because I'm doing a lot of like breath technique right now with him and it's all coming back to me. It's so, it's so neat. It's, it's been really, really fun. What do you think that says about humanity in, in this industry when we have everything taken away from us, you know, the structure, um, day-to-day, you know, auditions, uh, seeing people, what does that say about what you're doing right now, where you are now connecting with something that you know to be so very true, that you are 23 years later, you are now going back to the basics with your first voice teacher you ever had. So like, what does that say about us as humans, about about what we sort of um, turn to when uh, when life gets really tough? Yeah, I mean, I can't really explain it. Um except that just something when I decided to come back home for a couple months, something was just lingering in the back of my head that was like, you should call Giesbert. Because I knew being home, I wanted to work on my craft. I wanted to continue to evolve. I wanted to continue to grow. And I thought, huh, I wonder what he's up to. So I sort of looked him up on Facebook and saw that he was still around. And I tried messaging him on Facebook, actually. And 
um, you know, didn't hear back, but then I found his phone number. So I literally cold called him. And again, it's like, it's not that I was planning on this. It was just sort mm -hmm. of like being back here and being in this space. I mean, I feel like what it says is that you always can come back home and you can always go back to your roots and it's going to, it's going to help you reconnect with that true sense of self. And that's what I've been finding in this is it's like, it's the neatest, it's the coolest feeling to be sitting across from his keyboard now with a woman's voice and to be working on these techniques all over again. It's like getting back on a bike and it's just been so fabulous and fabulous darling, as he would say. Fabulous darling. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. I love, and it's so true. I think during this time, you know, uh, we revert back to things that we know to be really true. Mm -hmm. We were, we revert back to things that, uh, Cynthia Henderson, who was a guest on my, on Dear Multi-Hyphenate in the first season and, um, is my professor from Ithaca. She led us through this exercise. She had us bring in rocks, three medium sized rocks, uh, that had, you know, whatever, bring them in. That was the assignment. And we mm -hmm. sat there put the rocks in front of us and she like rang this Tibetan bell and it was just going and she would just go touch a rock with our eyes closed, touch a rock. And then she'd go, thank you. And that was our cue to take our hands off of it. Touch. And, uh, and afterwards she was like, what did everyone feel? Mm -hmm. And we were all like, you know, like over the, you know, being trying to be the best drama student and we were like, I was transported to a different time. I, I, I was having these, me I was having these memories and these blah. And she was like, "Y'all are fools. No, it's mm -hmm. just you're touching a damn rock, okay? Yeah, you're just doing this one simple thing, so that you can ground yourself and focus. And I feel like that's what you are doing with voice lessons with Giesbert. My touch a rock is painting. Yeah. I love to sit in front of a canvas and just sort of paint and see what happens with no judgment. And I think that's beautiful that you're doing that. Thank you. I know it's been such a blast. I'm like, I'm going to be sad to leave and go back to LA, but I'm just cherishing this time. And thank God for, you know, what we've learned with Zoom. Mm -hmm. um, you know what I mean? Thank God for what we've learned with Zoom that like Yeastbird actually isn't going to be that far away anymore because I, th I don't think Zoom is going to go away from our lives. Right. Right. I don't think so either. <laughs> I, think I think it's here to stay. I think it's definitely here to stay. I think that we're definitely going to be in person. But, you know, I was setting up a vocal coaching for um, – I'm working on a project with um, with Alice Ripley and we're filming in, uh, we're filming shortly and we're setting up a vocal coaching for her. I and, and I just realized, I was like, when I – this is a vocal coach that I worked with years ago and she's incredible. Her name's Amanda Quaid. And I went to her place to get the coaching. Mm -hmm. And I remember how lovely that experience was. And now we're setting it up on zoom. How amazing. And then I was like, Oh my God, is, does she ever need to bring anyone to her space again? Right. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's a game changer completely. It's a total game changer. I mean, headshots is certainly a different story, but like there can be a lot of things where you don't actually need to go downtown to the office. You could just pop up your computer and a mic and a headset and just sort of have a have a great conversation from your phone. 
Totally, totally. And so I've been actually going to his house, like, um, you know, in his backyard, he has like this adorable place in Wilton Manors. It's like, mm -hmm. I'm in a jungle rehearsing with him, but um, it, I'm excited to, to have him now, like on my team. Like I don't have a vocal coach in LA. Like I've, mm -hmm. I've worked with certain people like Michael Orland or like other people that um, I've been referred to, but I don't really have somebody super consistent. So now again, it's like getting back on a bike and it's like we speak the same language because he is the foundation upon which my whole voice was built. So he like the way he communicates to me about how things should feel and where my placement should be. It's like he says something and it just clicks. And then I'm like, oh, I didn't know I could hit that high of a note. Like, yeah. and, and it's so exciting that I am growing and that I'm still able to do that while I'm, you know, on this like not even hiatus, but, um, you know, uh, in this period of time where I've, I've spent time at home. So I'm excited about my growth and where, um, where it's going to go from here with him. So, so you're spending time at home in Florida and you're going to go back to LA. What, yeah. what is that like for you? Because we were, you know, there is this sort of, we're going to be going back to the industry, right? But yeah. I don't, I don't think that there's going to be a a grand reopening ceremony of life. Like mm -hmm. I think when Broadway reopens, that might be the ribbon cutting ceremony of mm -hmm. like, ta-da, okay, we're back. Yeah. But we're going to be slowly getting back to normal in different ways. So what have you learned while you've been at home and what are you going to, how are you going to bring that to when you move back to LA and start and, and pick back up again? Well, the neat thing is that, um, you know, things have slowed down quite a bit, but you know, I'm very lucky. I have an excellent team out in LA and, you know, I, I basically came back to Florida at the very beginning of January after, you know, dealing with some personal stuff. So, um, I decided to, you know, take my dogs and my car and my mom flew out and I drove my car back and I was like, my plan is I have no plan. Um, but very luckily my, you know, my reps were super understanding and they're like, listen, we're going to still get you out for stuff. You know, we can't really put you out for the guest star things because of COVID, you know, you have to be local. Just know that in making that choice to spend time at home that you're, you know, sort of eliminating yourself from those types of opportunities. And I understood that. So um, I decided to come back and they got me in for a pilot audition, which I got pretty far in, which I was really proud of myself for that. So it was like, all right, I'm still kind of doing stuff. Um, but what I've learned is that it's so important to take care of yourself and to put yourself first. And that's what this whole journey and process has been for me over these past few months is, you know, I feel like I was in a situation where my time was split between, you know, me and somebody else. And I now had this opportunity to not be splitting my focus anymore. And I could just entirely invest in myself. And I was very careful to be healing from what I was going through in a healthy way. So, you know, I'm, I'm in therapy and I'm, you know, doing my voice lessons and my dad's a tennis coach. So I'm working with him. And then I got linked up with this personal trainer who's also a life coach. So I'm doing a little bit for myself each day. And I want to carry that into when I go back to Los Angeles, because I feel like you get so, you know, caught up in the grind and, you know, all the, especially for people like us who have multiple jobs and side hustles, you get so caught up in, you know, making the money and, and mm -hmm. doing all the things you need to be doing and juggling auditions. And there's so much to handle and balance. But if your cup is not full, as far as your energy and, and protecting it, then you're, it's going to bleed into your work, period. So 
I'm so excited for this new chapter in my life to be to have taken this time because I also didn't really take those, you know, three months out of college or whatever before I jumped into the professional world. I literally graduated, came home, packed my stuff and was there like a week after I graduated college. So I'm excited that I've given myself this time and that I've been I've I've put importance back on that, you know? There's such a generational difference uh, that I've experienced of like us and our parents regarding therapy. Now, how have you felt? I, I, when I started going to therapy, I, first of all, I felt like a true New Yorker, Jewish New Yorker. When I started going to therapy, I was like, every Jewish New Yorker has a therapist. Why can't I? And, um, I, you know, some people in my family were like, you don't need therapy you're fine. You don't need therapy. And I was like, no, no, no. It's it, the stigma. It, there's no stigma anymore. We all should be lucky to, I, I'm very lucky to be able to afford therapy and, you know, or have the resources to at least find a therapist and find a therapist that I wound up falling head over heels for. And so how have you felt that therapy has sort of helped your, uh, your um your moment in florida where you're sort of regrouping and refining yourself and how do you feel like they're preparing you to go back to la well luckily i was already matched up with this therapist on betterhelp.com um but i and i love my therapist her name's dr j she's amazing she's this woman in michigan who has three newfoundland dogs and she's just like the most amazing she's got like the smoker's voice i'm obsessed with her and so she's been really really great for me you know over the past um you know the last four months of um 2020 was when i got linked up with her Mm -hmm. because i was again juggling a lot of jobs and i was just feeling a, a really really high anxiety over balancing even though i was so lucky to have any work i was getting overwhelmed because i almost had too much work and i was trapped in my house so i was trying to find a way to maintain that but then I realized, you know, when things started going down for me personally, that having that check-in each week is so important because it not only gives yourself the opportunity to, um, you know, talk through anything that's, you know, bothering you inside, but it also gives you that opportunity to pat yourself on the back for all the things that you are doing for yourself. Because, you know, you might, I know at least I've struggled with I'm not doing enough. I'm not good enough. I'm, you know, I'm hustling, but I could be doing better. And letting go of that and really just having the inner peace of, oh, I actually am kind of killing it right now. Yeah. <laughs> and giving yourself that credit is so important. And um, that's what I've learned a lot in in taking this time, but also being in therapy is, all right, I have a moment each week where mm-hmm. I can sit there I can talk out whatever's bothering me, yes, but I can also say, hey, I'm really freaking proud of the work I've been doing and keep it up, girlfriend, because you would say that to your best friend. You would say that to another person. Why not say that to yourself? Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. 
void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. There are things in therapy that I'm unpacking that have nothing to do with what I even thought I was going to therapy for. You know? Absolutely. Like, uh, you know, just with my OCD, with my nightly rituals of OCD. Like, why are they more intense at night than in the morning? And like, you know, just certain relationships with how I label my friends. Like, um, why do I need a best friend at 29? Why do I need to say that I have a best friend? Like, is that, uh, you know, is that juvenile? Is that something that holds me back? Is that um, not what's important? Like, they're just little things that I literally will that we clock in these meetings that that in these conversations where I'm like, Oh, my God, that that you know, just unlock, just asking that question is going to help me overall in my artistry and the way that I just, you know, navigate through life. So therapy is super important. And especially during these times, if anyone listening has the opportunity to find a therapist, I, I mean, I can't recommend it enough. I've loved it, especially like you said, it unlocks these things within yourself that you don't necessarily know are maybe getting in your own way. And so I've loved that about having a therapist is somebody to talk to where um, I feel like, yeah, there's habits of mine that I haven't necessarily corrected or there's things that, you know, patterns I get into that might be self-sabotaging that I never mm-hmm. even realized. But then, you know, having somebody that can give you tools and like worksheets and things that help you learn more about yourself. I think that's what it's all about. Are these self-sabotaging things that affect your artistry or just like, I mean, I like to think like your artistry is like, and your personal life is one and the same just because it affect it affects the other. And at least that's how I go through life. But are they self-sabotaging your artistry? Yeah. I mean, I think for me personally, sometimes I get a little scared of my creativity because when I personally get really creative, I can get kind of manic. And so I feel like when I have these great ideas and they're just flowing to me, I get almost like I get uh, trigger shy and I get a little panicked because I'm like, oh no, like I might stay up all night long working on these ideas, which I know is not good for me. So to have um, somebody that gives me the tools like, okay, well, you're going to time block and like these are the hours that you're going to write or these are the hours that you're going to write your ideas. Um, Or I'll give you an example um, of how I was able to channel my creativity and I something I wouldn't have thought of on my own is I actually sadly lost my beloved Cornelius who was my puppy for all of my 20s and um and I was really having obviously a hard time I was grieving the loss of him and it was very sudden wasn't expected and I'd never imagined my life without him you know mm-hmm. and um and I I just put myself in a room one day she was like you should really write about him And I didn't know what that was going to mean to me or whatever. And then I just took like, you know, when thing when you you're compelled to do things, but you don't know why you're doing them. You're just kind of like driven and you're just like moving with 
whatever forces, whatever source energy, whatever you want to call it, the universe is telling you to do. And so I just took this like stack of computer paper and I just went in my little studio room. I closed the door, I put on music and I just started writing poetry about him. And I, and I wrote a little children's book. Like I, I wrote a children's book called I asked for a puppy and I just wrote uh, like, you know, a couple lines per computer page. And it was just such a great way to process that loss and such a great way to also channel my creativity. And who knows? I mean, it's in my storage unit in LA right now. I haven't even looked at it since I wrote it, but I read it to my therapist and I made my therapist cry. <laughs> oh my God. And I'm like, I wonder if I'll actually publish that into a book, you know? But again, it was like, I never would have thought in a million years that I was going to write about him or anything like that like yeah journal maybe but it was neat to have somebody be like hey why don't you why don't you try writing some poetry or why don't you try just writing about him and why you're thankful for having a little spiritual figure like that in your life and then it just turned into what it turned into and so who knows where that would go but um but yeah it's like things like that that i find is it's helpful for my creativity because rather than being afraid of it, I, I use it to process things that I'm going through. Get it published. It could be the new giving tree or something. Who knows? I know, right? I'm excited to like go back and read it with fresh eyes because I haven't touched it in, you know, six months. That's sort of the exciting thing about being a multi-hyphenate is, uh, you know, uh, what I like to say about, you know, people are like, don't you miss acting? And I'm like, look, if I can have any acting job I want, that like i don't know why certain people think like i have the absolute choice to book everything and choose when i miss acting or when i don't like when certain things appeal to me i will audition for them but we as multi-hyphenates we have the ability to tell stories in different planes because my hyphens are actor photographer producer writer podcaster I am not going to be an Ain't Misbehaven, right? It's one of my favorite musicals of all time, but I'm not going to be an Ain't Misbehaven, but I could photograph it or I could even be on the producing team of it. And I think as multi-hyphenates, we have to figure out how we tell the story, the certain planes of telling the story. And I love that you turned your story with Cornelius into a children's book because is it a one-woman show? Is it a one-person show? Is it a TV show? Is it a... Is it a this? Is it a that? We don't know. But what open what came to you is a children's book because I think that goes into understanding also like the audience. Like, is the audience who needs to know about Cornelius and what he meant to you? Is that someone that's going to be in a theater watching you talk about it, or are they going to go to Borders and pick up a children's book? Right, right. And I and that was how I've sort of it just kind of like was flowing out of me. And I was like, oh, it's from the perspective of like a little girl that always wanted a puppy. And he was that puppy that I always dreamt about having one day because I never had a puppy when I was like younger. I mean, I had dogs, but like not, you know, one that was exclusively mine. So anyway, it was just, it was just neat that that's how it sort of came out. And, um, you know, like you said, you, you kind of just do these things or you you just have these ideas that come to you, but um, you don't know how they're going to manifest or what they'll turn into. Like, you know, when when you helped me do my one woman show at 54, like years ago, 
I had no idea. I was like, all right, well, I know I want to do a show, but I didn't know what it was. I literally booked the theater and hadn't put it together yet. And then that evolved into me, you know, what I learned from that 54 experience was, oh, people liked my original stuff more than my covers. So then my show became entirely about the original music. And then the final iteration when it, now it's become me, the musical is now me doing it as a character, not even as myself anymore. And it's like, but if I hadn't taken that first leap of doing it, you know, back then, then I would have never known that that's how Madeline St. Darling and me, the musical would have been born. That is such a really great point. I I loved working on that show with you. And that was sort of my first, my like very, very, very first like New York, am I a producer? Is mm. this something that one I do vibe? Because you basically were just like, I'm doing a show at 54 Below. I have no what I no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I have a plane ticket. Help help me. Help me. <laughs> I, I don't know if you booked the show first or the plane ticket first. I think I booked the venue first. And then I was like, how am I gonna afford a plane ticket? <laughs> can you can you talk to us about that? Because I think that so many people listening to this show, they have an idea. Yeah. But they're we're even moving to the city. They're like, oh, I'm just saving up before moving. I'm like, no, don't wait to move here. I came here with $5 in my checking account, okay? Yeah. It doesn't matter how much you you save. Just come here, get a the job, doing whatever, and be here. Be here. What I've it learned... Yeah, sorry to cut you off, but what I yeah, what I've learned is that um, you know, as long as you have sort of some sort of finish line in place, everything else will work itself out. And I've found that instead of psyching myself out and being like, okay, this is you know, I of course it's important to think of like, you know, those big goals and those big steps. And then to dial it back and then to think of the little steps, little steps, little steps. But you have to think of the big goal first and think, okay, what can I do to set the stage, so to speak, for the big goal to be achieved? The big goal in that scenario was, I've never done, I've never performed in New York before. I want to put myself out there. I want to start auditioning for Broadway. I'm going to book the venue. That's what I'm going to do. And then you know what? I have how much time? Four weeks to figure out whatever the hell I'm going to do. And I'm going to call Michael Kushner because he's going to know how to help me. <laughs> yes, Carly Craig. That is literally, that is it. Because if we take these tiny micro steps, we can sort to sort of, I think, psych ourselves out. We mm -hmm. go, okay, well, I wrote the show now. Oh my God. I have to now, I have to now sell this show. Like, oh my God, it's going to get rejected. I can't do that. And then the, and then the, show gets, you know, shelved and not touched. But if we just book the space, book it, and then we go, all right, what are my steps? It's easier to see the bigger picture because no matter what, you will approach that date and you will go to sleep that night. Right. And then you will wake up the next day and it will be- Having done it. Having done it, exactly. And remember how terrified I was? Like, I, I was so freaking nervous. I had never done a one-person show, let alone with a band. I I was like, 
I, I didn't even know if I was going to survive that show. And, you know, mentally also, that was a stage of my life where I was not really in the healthiest mental space only because I had just come off of doing Mad TV and I thought that was going to continue for years and years and it just right. ended abruptly. So I was sort of just grasping at straws like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing, but I do know that something is telling me to go back to being on stage again because I've spent four years now in LA I haven't been on a stage why don't I go back to musical theater because I know that that makes me happy and even though I was freaking petrified to walk on that stage once I was on it I was fine but like you know in the dressing room the hour before getting ready I was so nervous because I had never done anything like that before but I freaking survived and I can look back at like those videos and be like, wow, I actually did that. And then that gave me the confidence to say, okay, let me look at the material. What did I learn from that performance? People love the original stuff. And then that just sent me on this whole new path that I love, which is doing my musical comedy. So it's like, but if that seed hadn't been planted in the first place, or I hadn't taken that leap, I don't know that I would have my me, the musical show now, which I freaking love doing, you know? And and from a perspective point of view, you sold so well. You sold the show. I was I was very excited about how many people turned out for it. It was like all people from our childhood that came out, and it was. But also people, fans, people that you had never met before yeah, were there. Yeah, I know, and I'm like, awesome. I have fans. <laughs> Which it was really cool, and also on top of that. You used the time in New York City to not just do your show, but you had a few auditions lined up yeah, while you were here. Things. Yeah, I met I met at Tulsi and did a bunch of random things that were so cool. Um, and and you know those sorts of things are still paying off now. And that yeah. was that was almost five years ago. Wow. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think that's in I think that is an incredible lesson of just having an idea and. And following that impulse and just figuring it out, right? Yep. Like figure it out with Summer Sanders. Just like do it. Yes. And <laughs> and um, okay. So how have your hyphens helped your career? Because you you have this skill set of impressions. Mm -hmm. Now, how did understanding you have this skill set of impressions? How did one step, since we're talking in steps, the bigger picture and, and following those steps, how did you follow those steps and eventually get something like Mad TV or get this notoriety of a comedian who sings and and who's hysterical and, and <laughs> you know, all, all that fabulous stuff? What was the inciting incident of that? So this is actually really interesting. And it also bleeds into a hyphen that you probably don't know about. But, um, you know, my behind the scenes work um, in reality TV. Um, so I, I started working um, in LA for a reality TV production company called Renegade 83. And I was a PA and it was like my job to find stock footage of birds for the show called Naked and Afraid. That was my job. And I was like, organizing I love naked and yeah, it was the first season so this was back 2013 when I first moved there that was my first ever job so I'm doing this I'm working this job then I meet Todrick Hall I start working for Todrick so I like kind of leave Renegade for a while 
I go back to Renegade once things start kind of slowing down with Toddy. I think he was in New York doing a show or something. Um, and I go back there and they are like, yeah, we are actually producing this show called First Impressions with Dana Carvey. And I was literally doing data entry. I was sitting at my desk, like doing data entry. And I heard impressionists auditioning in the, the back room. Like they were doing casting tapes in this like random reality TV production office in Sherman Oaks. And I was sitting there and I literally walked up to one of my higher ups, like the coworker or whatever. And I, one of the producers, and I said, Hey, did you know that I do impressions? Like, do you need any females? Cause I see there's a lot of guys coming through. Like, do you, are you interested in having me audition? And they're like, yeah, well, like, can you actually do impressions? And I'm like, yeah, I do it like kind of for fun, but you know, I just put out, um, or I'm, I'm working on an impressions video. I really want to be on SNL. Um, you know, this would be awesome. And I love Dana Carvey. So like, could I audition? And I just straight up asked and they were like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Put you on tape. So a couple of my coworkers were like, there's no way they're going to let you be on this show because it's conflict of interest. You work at the company, you can't be on the show, but I guess my tape really resonated with like the executives and they just gave me a pass and they were like, all right, we're going to have her on the show. So I go on this competition show and I get to perform in front of Dana Carvey. And, um, that just inspired me so much. And I, I had, I had just filmed this, uh, impressions video of me doing like Ariana Grande and Kristen Chenoweth and, you know, um, Lord and Shakira and stuff. And I've had it on my YouTube channel. It was meant to be my SNL audition tape, but I never actually sent it in the SNL. I just put it online. Um, and then it started picking up traction kind of around the time that I was filming the, uh, Dana Carvey impression show it was just like a one-off thing. I lost, but you know, it's fine. I'm still in touch with Jason who won. He's a very nice guy. Jason K. Very talented. So hey Jason. Hey Jason. So anyway, long story short, that show. So the video goes viral while they're editing the Dana Carvey show. Then May comes around and the Dana Carvey show airs. Then I get my mad TV audition like that next week. So I had like all over my Instagram, like my impressions video, I had my the Dana Carvey show, which again, I only got because I, I just was working as a PA. And then suddenly I book my dream job on Mad TV. And it was just like, one thing led to another led to another. But like, I could have been in that office listening to these impressions, impressionist audition and be like, they'll never let me on the show. Nah, I'll just keep punching in numbers. But like, I was very proud of myself that I went and I talked to them because I don't know, like that was just such an inspiring, inciting incident, as you said, like that just propelled me to the next step and the next step and the next step. You could have listened to your coworkers who knew nothing. The naysayers don't. And and that's all of you listeners out there, dear listeners, don't listen to the haters. You're multi-hyphenate. You're multi-hyphenate. <laughs> don't listen to the haters because your journey is your own and like, People usually are going to, for lack of a better term, shit on you if they are not fulfilling the, the areas of their life that they see you fulfilling in your own. So don't listen to them because that is when the self-doubt creeps in and you it, it's like poison and it, it can consume you. So I've been there. Don't let that happen. If you have an idea and you you think it's a good idea, you follow that. And that's super duper important. 
And also don't be the naysayer. I understand that it's easy to revert to the negativity. I understand that it's easy to poke fun. I get that it's easy. It's easier to be negative than it is positive, but the efforts of positivity will outweigh the efforts of negativity. Mm -hmm. So don't be a naysayer support. And if that's, if you're, if you're acting out because someone's doing something that you feel you can't do in the moment, have that conversation with yourself and try to figure out why you're feeling that way, why it triggers you and why you feel that you can't do the thing that the other person is doing that's making you feel this way. 100%. And and I wanted to mention before we get off, but um, I did I tell you that I'm working on The Hills right now? No way. I'm literally the post-production coordinator for The Hills. So that's like my job that I'm working on here, but I'm able to work remote because of COVID and the workflow. I'm like, oh my God, this is the perfect opportunity when I'm not working in a reality office. I'm entirely working from home. So yeah, let me take four months in freaking Florida and enjoy it, you know? Let me regroup in Florida. Let me get some different sun, not LA sun, but South Florida sun. And let me just like breathe for a second and be back. And that's that's incredible, Carly. That's amazing. And you will be back. So where can we find you on social media? Well, you can follow me at Carly Craig, C-A-R-L-I-E-C-R-A-I-G on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And um, my website is www.carlycraig.com. And you are an absolutely incredible force to be reckoned with. And I love you so much. We got to catch for- up after this. We uh, no, we will. I'll be setting. I'll be setting up a um, a phone call with you shortly. You'll pencil me. And I'll pencil you in, darling. Mm-hmm. And um, but I miss you terribly. And uh, L.A. is waiting for you. And big things are coming for you when you get there. Thank you. I love you. I'm so excited. And thank you so much for having me. It's a true honor. I was so excited when you asked me to do this. I was excited when you said yes because you you really said some awesome stuff today that. Um, that I'm really excited to get out there in the world. Aww, I love you. Love you. Right, see you later. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.